Welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, the podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I am your cheerful host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, pal. Well, man, I guess the um, the Christmas elves must have been uh, smiling mm-hmm. down upon us because... That's right. Our jolly old Saint Tyler is back in town, back in the saddle. Yeah, I uh, I've had some stuff that took me away. I uh, destroyed my arm. I'm currently wearing a sling, and I have to go to an orthopedic surgeon tomorrow to talk about it. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I apologize for kind of giggling <laughs> in the background, but dude, you have to tell folks if there was anything. Yeah. There's the I should say this. There's nothing more Tyler. Yeah. Than this scenario that occurred and I mean mm-hmm. it's one of those moments where all you can do is laugh. Well, yeah. I, at least I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is sort of classic Tyler which I mean I know that we've talked about it on the on the, you know, throughout the past episodes, but for our new listeners, I've always been kind of looked at as like the Larry David type mm-hmm. friend mm-hmm. where there's always like something kind of happening and it, it's just like it always sort of feels like a like a movie mm-hmm. kind of thing but yeah I, my nephew came into town he lives out in California and the in-laws did this big thing and so basically we're in this big sort of empty gymnasium on this property kind of thing and I first of all I came ill-prepared because I was under the impression that we were going to be sitting around like a campfire. They ended up camping later. So, but anyway, when I show up, everybody's playing soccer, all the kids. Mm -hmm. And I have like uh, long johns under my jeans, like, Mm -hmm. like winter boots. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not at all in the, uh, in the soccer, you know, gear whatsoever. You forgot forgot Uh, your umbros at home. I definitely forgot my Ambrose. And so, I, you know, I jump in because I'm, you know, fun Uncle Tyler, uh, Funkle Tyler. And I'm playing soccer, doing some, like, fancy footwork. Uh, and I am pretty good, regardless of what Woody says. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go to do this thing where <laughs> I take it. I mean, like, I kid you not, this is, like, the first sort of, you know, sp- you know sprint down the quote-unquote field. Again, keep in mind, we're on, like, it's it's almost like cement floor, so there's not a lot of give. Mm-hmm. It's like like, uh, like like a mall flooring okay. kind of thing. So, like, sort of like tiles, I guess, but cement also. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. But anyway, I'm taking it down. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. Yeah. I'm feeling so fast because my muscles are, are so warmed up because all of the thermal underwear underneath. You know and it. And I... T- I take it down. I mean, again, I can't stress this enough. This is within like two minutes of me showing up. Mm -hmm. You know, the kids are like, hey, my kids are like, dad, I'm taking it down. I do this thing where I sort of like 
it's like sort of this fake out trick that I do where I kick the ball like behind my other like planted leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go to kick it and considering that I have these giant, like huge treaded like work boots on. Okay. Uh, Timberlands? Uh, no, they're I'm actually these, Red they're these like Levi's actually, surprisingly enough. Huh. I don't even know where I got them. But um, anyway, the giant treads on the bottom of the boot uh, dig into the top of the ball. And as you know, how balls operate, they, they roll. And so mm. it continues to roll and my foot's on top of it. And my other foot is like still wrapped behind my other leg. Okay. Basically. So I'm like crossing my feet basically. And then uh, the, so yeah. So uh, my foot is on top of the ball and I had nowhere to go except my legs go flying out in front of me. And I go back and I put my hand back to catch myself and boom, ended up uh, really damaging my arm. You know, I was like, wow, it'll just go away. It's just like a little sprain. Even though I kind of knew, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if everybody's the same, but for me, it was like, I knew like, oh, this isn't oh, good. Yeah, yeah, this could be, this is probably worse than just like a sprain. But I kept thinking like, well, it'll just go away. So I kept playing soccer with it, which was mm-hmm. a mistake. And I, again, like I said, I have like thermal underwear on, long sleeves. And so I can't really see my wrist, well, I glance down as I'm still playing soccer soccer, and I'm in a lot of pain by now. And I look <laughs> down and through my long sleeve shirt and thermal underwear that are covering my wrist, mm-hmm. through that, I see what looks like an egg is hidden up my sleeve. Oh, man. Yeah, and I go to like pull it back. And I kid you oh. not, it was like about the size of an egg. Disgusting. Um, yeah, I thought it was like the bone yeah, yeah. Which, praise God, it was not. But I ended up going to urgent care. They did an x-ray. It actually is not broke. Uh, I've just been telling everybody that because it's just easier than all this. There's no, like, broke. There was, like, a possible, like, hairline there's fracture. There's no broke. Yeah, there's no broke at all. Hairline fracture on the wrist and fluid around my elbow, which, I mean, I'm not even worried about the elbow at this point. Yeah. But it's like done some pretty, whatever happened, did some bad stuff to my um, like tendons or muscles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I still, I mean, this was last uh, last Wednesday night. So yeah. night before Thanksgiving and <laughs> I still can't make a fist. Still can't move my thumb. Definitely no guitar playing. Yeah. And even like drawing is like really difficult because it sort of made me realize like how much I like spin the paper around, especially yeah. When like inking and stuff, so everything's kind of, you know, went to like half speed and right. Yeah, so I mean, two things. One, well, a few things. One, <laughs> Here we go. it is interesting though that you used your yeah. like non-dominant hand to kind of catch yourself. Thank right. Goodness, you did that because otherwise mm-hmm. you'd been really, really up a creek. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's always funny. Here we are, listeners, along with you hearing this story it's like okay we're trying to be convinced by tyler that he's athletic or has like a like a like an iota of athletic ability as he's telling this story uh that just like plays out like a character that has none no athletic ability i'm telling Um, you i am i i used to be really fast mm -hmm. i don't run at all anymore yeah 
Look, man, people change. You know, from when they grow, when they go from six to seven, <laughs> they 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 change. Okay, yeah. now we're talking forty years down the line. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. I have friends. I think we've talked about this probably before. But like every friend that I know that gets injured was like, "Well, dude, I played you know baseball in college, or I played basketball in high school," and they they go back and they you know get a game together with their buddies and. Yeah. They get injured because they think that they don't need to, you know, oh, I still have the same. You yeah. get injured. If you don't, it's kind of like, you know, it. it's going back and playing guitar. Mm-hmm. My fingers are just like, oh, man, that 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 kills. Now, in yeah. contrast, a couple years ago, I broke my thumb uh, mm-hmm. while I was at a CrossFit gym, and I completed all the work. Climb, ro- did rope climbs with a broken thumb um, and all that. But luckily, again, it was my left hand also and yeah. right-handed. Mm-hmm. But you do, man. You're you don't realize how much you utilize oh, all of man. your body. I know it's, it sounds weird, but it's like the same like, thing. Whenever I had knee surgery, it's like you just—it's a whole different life, man. So it makes you really appreciate yeah. the typical use of of your uh, of your body. Yeah, I mean, even even down to like like I can't tie my shoes. Mm. I can't like f- fixing your hair. Is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's those little things that, and exactly the same. Like I I don't know how. I, I guess the position that I was in and the fact that like my, I guess my left foot went around was like sort of trapping my right foot, which mm-hmm. shot me up in the air. You you, you trip. It's almost like you tripped yourself, which is I, I did trip myself. Yeah. yeah. So that's where we're at today. But all that to say, I am so happy to be back. Mm, Seasons greetings, everyone. And to you, Woody. Thank you, thank you. We haven't even really talked a ton. Yeah. We've had a lot of stuff going on. I mean, like little bits here and there. We talk every day, but yeah. Like by by not a ton, we mean like not our typical like hourly conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, so what's been going on, pal? Well, in this section will be on the Patreon. After these messages, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pretty good place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. vampire. You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. Let's catch up, man, but let's do that later tonight when we record the Patreon episode mm-hmm. because... I love it. Now, before we jumped in, before we dove into the studio, Here we, go. we mentioned a word that's going to come up a lot on this show, or a mm-hmm. couple times at least, and that's synchronicity. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if you realize this, dude, but when the listeners listen to this episode, it's going to be on December 4th. Mm. The next day... 
is December 5th. And that has a lot of significance into what we're going to talk about today. And it's part of the reason why, you know, when we, when, okay, let me just start over here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tyler up. and I, I think we've briefly mentioned Krampus before in, in one of our Christmas specials or episodes over the last two years. Yes. And by the way, I, we understand Krampus. that it's, yeah, it's technically Krampus, but we are rednecks from the South. So yep. we, you'll hear us say Krampus the whole time. Right, right. But we realized that, or at least Tyler realized that we hadn't really dedicated a full episode mm-hmm. to Krampus. There, I said it correct that yeah, time. You're trying, yeah. And so I, I got to be honest with everybody right now. I was not excited. I wasn't really excited about it when we talked about him the first time. Once I started diving in, it's just like a gross creature. There was like some video that my youngest watched a couple years ago, and it just like freaked her out. She doesn't like the name of it. And so it was just like, mm. oh, I don't really want to talk about this. But here's the thing. Once I figured out that this episode was going to be coming out basically uh, the day before December 5th, and once I watched a movie that we're going to talk about later, I was all in, man. I'm super excited, to be honest. Yeah. And you'll see why it's significant that this is coming out December 4th. And I I mean, maybe I was wrong. So I don't think we need to waste any more time. Let's dive in. On the mystical eve of December 5th, often known around the world as Krampusnacht, the ominous figure of Krampus emerges in the Alpine region. His arrival marked by the soft steps of his bare human foot, or the resonant clip-clop of his cloven hoof. Draped in birch branches, this feared anti-Santa, casts a foreboding shadow over Austria, intriguing locals and visitors alike. The question arises, who is Krampus? And how did this unsettling legend unfold? Krampus is described often with devilish horns, a long snake-like tongue, and as a goat-demon hybrid in appearance. Mm -hmm. Brandishing chains and bells, accompanied by a large sack or basket for transporting mischievous children. Mm. Descending upon towns on the night before the Feast of St. Nicholas, which is the eve of December 5th, otherwise known as today, listener, Krampus divvies out punishments ranging anywhere from a mere swat with a birch branch for the fortunate to the dire fate of being consigned to his ominous sack. Legends suggest potential outcomes include consumption as a snack, drowning in a river, or descent into the very depths of hell. Now, at times, Krampus is accompanied by St. Nicholas. In fact, in a lot of the lore and legends... And Tyler, jump in here if if uh, if you want to add anything. But in a lot of lore and, and legends, it's kind of like there's St. Nicholas and Krampus. And they mm-hmm. kind of like one St. Nicholas, of course, representing the good, uh, you know, the, the jolly old St. Nick that we are now accustomed to. Right. You know, for example, here in the, the western part of the world in, in the U.S. 
uh, and then Krampus is almost like, in some variations described as kind of like a, uh, almost like an assistant or, you know, a uh, co-worker, if you will, who, you know, while St. Nick's job is to gift or uh, reward kids that are good, Krampus, his job is to punish. The origin of Krampus in holiday traditions across Austria, Bavaria, the Czech Republic, and Slovenia kind of still remains shrouded in mystery. There's a lot of speculation connecting him to the pagan past of the Alpine region, and we're talking thousands and thousands of years ago, and even drawing parallels to the German word Krampen, which means claw. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's on the nose, isn't it? Yeah, a little, <laughs> you know. Um, Krampus aligns with pagan winter rites, including parades to disperse the ghosts of winter, reminiscent of Norse legends about the son of hell and the god of the underworld. It's interesting because if kind of going back to, um, man, what episode was it, dude? I feel like in so many ways we kind of talked about some of this. Oh, in the, um, yeah, I think it was season three, episode 37, the true stories that inspired the scariest horror movies and then also Mm -hmm. maybe the Frights Delights and that kind of thing where there's a lot of folklore that is surrounding this this time of year, this time of year being like fall leading yeah. into winter yeah. and a lot of sort of old pagan beliefs and traditions oh, yeah. and festivals and all that stuff. Krampus is almost like a character from within all of this. Yes, and and also, you know, speaking of like sort of the earlier like pagan traditions, which by the way, I've got a crazy one uh, that I got to tell you about later. But they also there's there's also a possible belief. So in Norse mythology, mm-hmm. you have a character called Hel, H E L, and she's the you know the Norse goddess of the dead. She's sort of the ruler of the underworld, kind of like the sort of like a female devil archetype kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they actually believe that that Krampus could also be the, her son, which is an un, sort of an yeah. interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't know if that's you know one of those things where it's sort of assigned like from us as modern folks or Mm -hmm. if it was something that has survived through through the ages kind of yeah i mean i know that we're going to talk about this a little bit later but Mm -hmm. there are a lot of different variations of this character and even down to the specifics and the details about what he looked like and all that so adding that into the kind of mix i kind of like that in fact it reminds Mm -hmm. me a little bit of one of the cool things in D&D, here we go, one of the cool things in Dungeons and Dragons that kind of relates to this little, well, besides just the character of Krampus, but the fact that in Norse mythology, Hell is, uh, you know, the almost like the goddess of the underworld. Mm-hmm. In uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the... Oh, I didn't know that. The Dark Elves, it's a, it's a um, oh, matriarch-driven yeah. society, and all the female elves down in the underdark basically they're the ones that control everything they're the most powerful they're mm-hmm. really really cool and uh anyways it just reminded me of our first campaign that i did where you guys fought the spider queen which was really neat yeah you're talking about god and i always get it wrong like menzo berenzia or whatever yeah, yeah. menzo uh, berenzian or something yeah 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 but the, but the the spider queen of that whole sort of race what's her name Oh, man. It starts with an L. It's like Loth. Yeah, no, Loth. Loth. L-O-L-T-H, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting uh, connection there. I like that. Yeah, I never thought about that. pretty neat. 
Yeah, that's cool. Now, in these regions, as Christianity kind of gained more and more influence, of course, there were some modifications to Krampus's appearance, and it began to align more with the Christian beliefs. Chains symbolizing the binding of the devil were kind of mm. added to the mix, and the mm. basket to transport wicked children to hell mm. became a more like diabolical trait. The evolution of Krampus, once tied to winter festivities, likely led to its integration into these Christian traditions and the narrative surrounding St. Nick or St. Nicholas during the Christmas season. What's cool is some of this stuff is so old, these traditions, this folklore. Mm -hmm. It's so old that Krampus actually still has his own dedicated celebration on the eve preceding the feast of St. Nicholas still to this day in the Alpine region. I think it's important that we talk a little bit about sort of just the general idea of St. Nicholas and the general idea of Krampus. So we all kind of are aware of St. Nicholas because it's more, it's, I guess, more intertwined with what we celebrate and how we celebrate here in the U.S., you know, with, mm -hmm. with yeah. uh, Santa Claus and stuff. But essentially mm -hmm. St. Nicholas on the surface, he's the one that brings you the toys or treats. Right. Back in the day, it was kind of like, you know, a little, maybe like a chocolate or like a coin or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then Krampus, if you were bad, would leave maybe a lump of coal. Um, I did read some variations where it wasn't just, you know, an insignificant lump of coal. It was a piece of that birch wood, but it was burnt. Oh, um, so it was a it was a piece of like a burnt or a coal from birch wood. Which and and by the way, also if you if you're interested in a deep dive into sort of the the lighter side of Christmas and sort of its ancient traditions head on back to our last year's Christmas episode where one of, well, it's one of my all-time favorite episodes, but we had the author Joshua Cutchin, our good buddy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we go deep. Yeah. Getting into like all kinds of, you know, the wild man mythos, which, you know, ties in really well here as well. Mm -hmm. But we go really deep into sort of the St. Nick sort of tradition and and more of the Santa side of, of Christmas. Enjoy the deep dive into the origin and mythology of Santa Claus on That Would Be Rad, Season 2, Episode 59, Santa Claus, Unraveling the Myth and Mysteries of St. Nicholas with special guest Joshua Cutchin. Things get a little bit more, I guess, sinister. If you dive mm -hmm. a little deeper, it wasn't just lumps of coal that Krampus would leave behind. I kind of mentioned it briefly a few minutes ago where sometimes, you know, ch the legend says that a, a child might get, you know, whipped with that birch mm -hmm. branch that he's carrying around in a basket. And in some stories, Krampus would come to the home and take the children away yeah. from their home if they mm -hmm. were being bad. Yeah, and they would, I mean, it's pretty dark. Mm -hmm. They would keep them in the underworld for a year. And if they, I mean, again, a little dark, mm -hmm. if they made it through alive, they would bring them back the following Krampus night. Now, it is dark, but kids listening, I'm just saying, you'd learn your lesson pretty, you know, you think you're going to talk back to mom and dad again after that? Never. No, nah, I don't Never think again. so, right? Never. I mean, a full year in the underworld? Boy. Yeah. You know, you're going to go to bed on time next time, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to wash behind those ears. Mm-hmm. All right. So 
in the present day, like I said, Krampus has his own dedicated celebration, and on Krampusnacht, elaborately dressed versions of St. Nick's pair up with monstrously outfitted Krampuses, Krampuses embarking like on Krampus. these Krampus, <laughs> embark, and they go on these nocturnal journeys to homes and businesses and offer gifts alongside with playful treats, and some enthusiasts even exchange Krampusnacht greeting cards featuring the horned creature and festive messages. So while the imagery to us is specifically, you know, in southern states, the imagery really invokes like uh, like a terror response to me anyway. Like as a little kid, I would never in a million years wanted to look, look, can I just, hey, let's reward Good behavior and bad behavior getting punished by your parents is good enough. I don't mm-hmm. need some horned creature with a long red tongue and all this kind of stuff to come steal me to take me into the underworld. I mean, that's terrifying. Yeah. But over there, it's kind of still in that same that same joyous spirit. Is is Because uh, I think it's easy to kind of look at this imagery and think like, boy, these people are crazy as heck, man. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. easy to pass judgment on that kind of imagery, but I think from what I've seen, it's just that's part of their that's part of the culture, and it's not really. I don't know as like horror movie as as it kind of seems. Although it is, it can get dark, and variations do get pretty horrific. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's why people are doing this festival now. Are there people there that are just like death metal for life? Probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then that's then you landed in the perfect spot. Well, and also I think I think we should note that, and again, we we talk about this in last year's Christmas episode, but you know, in especially these the sort of ancient sort of cultures, you know, that there were always like these like sort of parades, and it was sort of a whether within like the village or the town, it was like a everybody sort of participated in this sort of uh, ritual or whatever, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that ties back to like Herla and like. The Wild Hunt, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of mythology or iconography. And it is interesting. And I, what's so weird is I've never thought of this until you were just saying all that, is that it's it's interesting in like sort of pagan or Gnostic traditions, they're really big on like duality. So mm-hmm. there's always a, a good and a bad. Like, you know, there's always like an antithesis to whatever mm-hmm. good character. And so... I think that's interesting because you do look at this through the lens of like, you know, it it being a product of these sort of more pagan beliefs and more, you know, the people were so much closer to the land. And so that's why I think I think it's interesting that there's that duality. But instead of just being like opposites, they sort of work together, mm-hmm. which is to me is sort of, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of unique within this kind of you know, right. story. Like you don't typically see that. It's like, oh, well, this character is the god of the mm-hmm. underworld and then this character is the god of heaven. It, instead of that, it's like they're working together on this. Yeah, they're like not you know. quite equals, but they are kind of like the yin and the yang. Yeah. It's, it's also an interesting approach because that duality, I mean, it also exists in uh, Christian belief and oh, writing yeah. and all that. The mm-hmm. difference is, you know, they're not necessarily working side by side. Right, exactly. Although I guess maybe arguably there's kind of like sort of an agreement Mm. in a sense. But it's also interesting, I mean, I don't know, the more I begin to read about early 
folklore and belief systems and traditions and stuff. I mean, man, we've got a lot of things that we still celebrate today mm-hmm. that are rooted in some pagan uh, oh, yeah. practices and stuff, which is super interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because, like, you know, we have a lot of friends who are Christians and we're, you know, we're believers ourselves. And so mm-hmm. it's funny to me when, but also, you know, if you're a, a you know seasoned listener of the show, you know that we're pretty open-minded as yeah. far as all that goes. So it is always interesting to me when you have these people who are, like, so anti-Halloween and, oh, it's the devil's birthday. And it's like, you do realize that, like, most of these traditions that you celebrate on Christmas, like the Yule log, the the Christmas tree, and, like, they're all coming from the exact same mm-hmm. early, early, you know, pre-BC yeah. sort of pagan traditions. I mean, it's not even not even just Christmas. I mean, every time someone blows out the birthday candle— Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the list goes on. The reason yeah. I know about some of those is I have some really good friends that are Jehovah's Witnesses. And I remember as a kid, I'd always be like, man, that sucks that they can't celebrate this yeah. or that, birthdays and blah, blah, blah. And so these folks are really close friends. And so I felt comfortable enough to say, okay, walk me through it, man. Where Where does this originate? And like you said, because we're open-minded folks, they know that. And I just love to learn about yeah, different belief systems and also like the origin of it all. Like, well, yeah, what is the too. purpose behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, part of it is because almost all of those things are rooted in pagan tradition and they mm-hmm. don't want to be a part of that. Yep. So it's interesting, you know, it's because it's like the same people that are like, well, we, we when I was in college and Harry Potter came out, it's like yeah, exactly people yeah. like just like ban it from the thing and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's just a story. Well, it's this and that. It's big. And, and you're like, but you still have birthday parties. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, and I will say also that, like, I mean, we love But Harry you still Potter. blow out candles. <laughs> and you still put up a Christmas tree. Uh, no, uh, it, I mean, I will say, like, as a, I don't know, a fan of all this stuff and learning and, like, the anthropology and all that stuff that goes into it. It is interesting once you start looking into, you know, things mm-hmm. like Harry Potter because a lot of the the spells and the, you know, all the other stuff, like the different schools of magic and the classes they're taking, like all that is coming. I mean, it, it is coming from a real yeah. place. Like they're not just like making these mm-hmm. words up, like, you know, divination and, and all that stuff. It's like, no, these are actual sort of magic. Yeah, and practices. I think we've talked about this before. It's kind of like once you start diving in, maybe, um where you're like trying to do that like okay now maybe mm-hmm. let's hey kid you know you, you bust your kid they're like making a spell to like hurt their um you know teacher or something it's kind of like well uh you know maybe maybe we need to just calm it down guys but i mean I, I, anyway back, yeah speaking of calming it down and reeling it back we'll return after these messages
Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. Yeah, so speaking of like magic and sort of the, the mystical, you know, elements of, of the season, I kind of want to get into some of the stuff, you know, sort of a cramp, Krampus through time. And while all of these aren't 100%, oh, well, this is exactly what this is, I, I'm always interested in these sort of comparisons or, or taking these archetypes or characters mm-hmm. throughout our history and, you know, just taking a look through the lens of like, well, maybe this is that character. So, for example, our very first would you say like long form story or or like first like work of fiction around 2000 BC is the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. Boy, I've got into this being tied to the Nephilim, but that is another episode. But this is the earliest known appearance of a wild man in literature. Now, we do talk about the wild man again, referencing our last year's Christmas episode with Joshua Cutchin and how the wild man archetype, you know, you have Merlin, you have Santa, you have this sort of character who is like the embodiment of nature and like the woods. But there's also, like we were talking about dualities before, there's also this element of this wild man or this hairy man being, you know, like Krampus, being like this sort of negative, dark kind of thing. So that's 2000 BC back in the epic of Gilgamesh. Moving ahead to 600 BC, like we spoke of earlier in the Bible, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar is punished by God for his pride and he's turned into a hairy beast. Mm. Which is pretty interesting. So it's almost like a like a punishment. And I mean, boy, we could go all day. We could really drive away from the dock here and get into <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah. And those connections, but we're not. We're going to move forward to 217 BC. Okay. Is where Saturnalia is introduced as the winter celebration in Rome, mm. which was marked by gift giving, these sort of debaucherous, wild parties, and sort of the reversal of normal social roles mm-hmm. of like slave and master. I mean, it really gets into like debauchery, and um, it was kind of a, a way of like, having this sort of wild night, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of get it out of your system, I think. And um, moving ahead to the 4th century, (laughs) just get it out. Uh, Moving to the 4th century AD, due to Roman influence, many of the Germanic tribes, such as the Goths and Vandals, convert to Christianity. And like we were saying before, their pagan traditions survive in these small villages in the Alps where the church couldn't make it up there. And, you know, eventually it would happen. These areas would be, uh, you know, would be converted. Mm-hmm. But like we were saying before, it's, it is it is interesting that these traditions still kind of live on, but just sort of under the guise of Christianity, these, these traditions we still celebrate today. This is interesting. In 1251, which that's some synchronicity mm. for you, the King's Mirror, a Norwegian text, features a wild man character who is described as being covered in hair. I think that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. In the 17th century, Necht Rupert, I don't know if you mentioned that before, but uh, he appears as a figure in a Nuremberg Christmas procession. 
And again, you know, it's kind of that sort of how we would view the modern sort of viewing of, of Krampus, mm. you know, with the bundle of sticks, kind of the, the connection of this sort of, you know, the, I, I think it's interesting because like I, a lot of times I think we think of like all those sort of sticks and like the birch sticks and stuff. We sort of look at that as like, oh, well, well those were there just for, you know, the whipping or whatever seasons beatings. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, when when you're viewing it, you know, in in sort of context of these things that I've been saying so far, to me it's interesting that it's that it could be even more so than like just the the beating, but more so uh, sort of the representation of like the wild man or this sort of man of nature mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so those sticks sort of represent like the woods and the forest. I don't yeah. know. Just a thought. I th- I, th- I still think it's for beatings and collecting children. Well, yeah, for sure. Sh- for sure the beatings were involved, but I'm saying I think there could, yeah, I mean, could also sure, sure. You know, be an equal correlation. The Brothers Grimm began publishing stories of these sort of old high German folktales, you know, marking a resurgence in German pagan folklore. Mm-hmm. And I would probably say eighteen ten is when it sort of began. I mean, the Brothers Grimm were that was like a, a phenomenon. And so I would say that's when this sort of widespread you know, sort of exposure to these things, you know, around the world, what happened. Uh, then in the early 19th century, we start seeing holiday postcards from Austria, Germany, and other parts of Europe that would feature holiday greetings that featured Krampus and other companions of St. Nicholas. And, you know, that's when you would also see like Perkta or Perchta mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of those sort of, like I said before, that wild hunt kind of thing. In the early 19th century, Germanic and Dutch immigrants to the U.S. popularized Pelsnickel traditions in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and as far west as Indiana. And again, this, you know, Woody and I have brought this up a million times to our new listeners. You know, we talk about just our fascination with these, the idea of these, um, you know, travelers or immigrants bringing over these traditions Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, you know. Well, even uh, just like. American gods. One of the things that it it goes back to what we end up talking about by, you know, you're just listening this like timeline basically where because that entity is kept alive by just talking about it, man. And like celebrated annually Mm -hmm. and then spreading through almost pop culture, really, if you think about it, once it starts to be. The Brothers Grimm, and once things yep. are, you know, stories are being published, and 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 all that, then it gives that uh, that reach becomes more broad, and I'm sure you're going to go into some more that are more modern in terms of publications and stuff, which again broadens it even more. Now with the internet, I mean, here we are, and now and internet, and also pirate radio, like we, like we are essentially, mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. the uh, the reach is almost endless. Well, I'm glad you said that because it, you know, we jump from the 19th century to 2004, which is like, you know, would be considered sort of in the digital age and a magazine called Blab mm-hmm. curator Mont Beauchamp or Beauchamp uh, publishes Devil in Design, a collection of vintage Krampus postcards from the turn of the 19th century. This book marks an increase in Krampus popularity in the English speaking world. So it's funny that, that you were saying that because, like, you know, we look at, like, the Brothers Grimm and then we look at the 
these European immigrants that come to America kind of bringing it. And then there's sort of this resurgence in 2004. Also in 2004, an adult swim show, The Venture Brothers, which I've never watched, but I've heard it's awesome. He features Krampus, or they they feature Krampus on a Christmas special. And then one of your favorites, 2007, the show Supernatural. Mm -hmm features an evil Krampus character. Yes. Uh, he would show up in 2009 on the Colbert Report. And then, you know, then we had, so I remember back in like, I guess it probably was around 2009 or 10, uh, you know, me listening to like all these sort of paranormal podcasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I remember see, it, there was like a big sort of Krampus push. I mean, it was like, it was everywhere. So I would say like around that time, like that's when it really hit like, the internet, sort of the digital age, and you started seeing like all these, you know, your Krampus movies started coming out and stuff, which I haven't seen a ton. I've just seen that that one with Justin Long, and I think it's mm-hmm. called literally Krampus, and I, I think we talked about it in our Christmas show too, or at least yeah. on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. But I did watch a movie recently that you told me about, and mm-hmm. of course, as per usual, I watched it, you didn't. So, yeah. like, I, mean, I know. Like, what well, the well, hold on. So I, yes, I did turn you on to this movie. And I've heard for years that it's Hey, like man, cool- we should watch this for the episode. Okay, cool. I'm going to watch it now. Yeah, me too. And then like, hey, man, God, what do you think about that movie? I didn't get to watch it. Well, I can't watch it because it's it's all subtitles. And yeah. It took me longer to watch it for sure because of that, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's impossible to do with work because like I kind of. Same, yeah. I'm kind of listening to movies basically. Yeah. So it's impossible. But I've heard. It for the fans of of rare exports. I've heard it is incredible, and it's like a beloved holiday. Uh, dude, l- let me just say this: I don't want to spoil it for everybody because I. Well, yeah, I don't know. You tell me. Should I spoil it? <laughs> well, no, because I okay. haven't seen good, it. Good, good, good. I don't want to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say, I thought it was pretty cool. Number mm-hmm. one, it is a movie that came out in I think 2010. Let me mm-hmm. check my notes. See, right it came out in time. 2010, around that time that you're talking about, like after yeah. these. But it's also, I think the the writer and the director came out with some short films before that, around 2000. I don't know, maybe 2007, and then they kind of pieced it all together and then created this movie. Oh wait, and, you mean the same creator? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And so, uh, and I think they basically kind of got their foot in the door with this with those shorts and then created a full length feature out of it. But it's a really, it's from Finland. And so, yes, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, it's subtitled, I think it's streaming right now on Tubi. Mm. I really liked it. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, it reminds, there's this element to it that, well, first let me say this, it's rated R and it should be. So Mm. what I mean by that is this is not a movie that you need to be watching with your kids or if, your wife is sensitive to gore, like Which mine is. Mine is. Yeah, yeah. Same. Then just this could be on your own. But if you're down to watch a really cool take on just Christmas in general, not necessarily like not just Krampus, but just or Krampus, but Santa Claus even, it's really, really cool. Also, there's like this vibe that they were able to achieve that a lot of movies nowadays or and even just like TV shows and everything have a really difficult time achieving and it's that same vibe of when there is a semi main character that's a kid and you feel the same way watching that character 
that you did when you watched Stranger Things for the first time or whenever you were a kid and you were watching The Goonies, they were able to capture that vibe, dude. It's mm. so cool. You'll see what I'm talking about wow. when you watch it. It's like that main kid is, he, it's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and you just like create these inventions and booby traps that you really, really believe are going to work and then they kind of don't. You know, it's like you're scared of a potential like boogeyman and so you put on a bike helmet and shoulder pads mm. and you have your BB gun, like that's oh, yeah. going to stop it. It's yeah. that kind of like innocence. Slant. Also, just pulling a sheet over your head. Yeah, right. In bed. Well, I never did that, man. I gotta see when I gotta see when they're coming. I don't want to be surprised by it. Yeah. So I would just kind of like I'd just be ready to fight, man. Just standing there. Anyway, that this movie achieved that, and while kind of going back to what we've already talked about, where culturally it feels kind of weird to me, to be honest, on the surface to just watch like a scary Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, that's not really the vibe I'm going for. I want to watch Ernest Saves Christmas. I want to watch Home Alone and all this. Yeah, you you do have like a real pushback to to spooky Christmas. Yeah, man, I really do. I mean, even like I said at the beginning of the show, even doing this topic initially, I was not, I mean, I I literally (laughs) said, dude, I'm not excited about this. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But honestly, man, this movie is what pushed me over the edge of being excited, honestly. Oh, okay. Because cool. I don't, man, it's kind of hard not to spoil it. But I'll just say, dude, you got you to gotta finish it because it ends up a really cool idea for how Christmas and Santa Claus are able to, it, 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 it's like, uh, you just got to watch it. So anyway, I recommend it. There's not really a whole lot that I can tell you other than that. If I can't, if you don't want me to spoil it, yeah, let's not spoil it. Maybe I'll try to watch it. I don't know. Maybe I could do it today before mm. we hit the uh, the Patreon episode. Yeah, and it's we definitely it. worth watching. Again, the name of the movie is called Rare Exports. Yeah, it's on Tubi right now. Mm-hmm. It's subtitled in English. There is sometimes when they speak English, but um, it's mainly it's mainly not in English. So you know, dude, one thing that I forgot to mention that I think is super interesting mm-hmm. is you go back and you listen to a lot of these Christmas songs, dude, that we sing year oh, after yeah. year. I mean, even in this intro that we created for for the Christmas season, mm-hmm. when it's like scary ghost stories. Oh, yeah. As a kid, you never think about Christmas and the creepiness. I mean, even just looking at like, you know, uh, I don't the when he's like, you better watch out, you better not cry. Yeah. He's yeah. making lists, he's checking it. Twice he's gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Yeah, I mean, oh man, yeah, dude, you gotta you gotta watch that movie, man. Oh yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I mean, I what's funny is I'd totally forgotten about it, and it's uh, only and, like it's pretty short, dude. I think it's like an hour and some change. Okay, yeah. well maybe I can watch it today. Yeah, you should. Yeah, dude. I, I think speaking of, and I don't mean to cut you off as per usual, but um, the the. I would almost say the one thing that that makes me love the idea of like Christmas also maybe being a little spooky is just that f- very first scene of Gremlins mm. when they're in the shop and it's like very dark candlelit and he you know he like he's looking to buy like a present or whatever mm-hmm. and pulls it out like that scene was so etched into my brain is like. Oh wait a minute! Like Christmas could be like really kind of spooky too, and like 
I mean, you know, you listen to the music and us as musicians, there's, it's, it is interesting because there's so many, as far as like any other music, there's so many like traditional Christmas music. There's, it's all like in minor keys and like, Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. It's like, to me, like the dark side of it feels kind of natural. Yeah. All right. Let's dive into some of these stories, man. Some possible Krampus sightings. Well, when we get back from the break, we are going to get into some possible real Krampus sightings here in the modern age. Mm. This will be the final commercial break, so buckle up for some spooky Christmas time stories right after these messages. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures from another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. This is Joshua Cutchen, and you're at my home for weirdness. That would be rad. So this occurred in the no sleep section of Reddit, and it's entitled My Real Encounter with Krampus as a Young Boy. Growing up, I had never heard about anything evil when it came to Christmas. My parents always took me to see Santa every year, and I never got cold in my stockings. I believed in Santa up until about the age of nine, so every year I always acted super good in the months leading up to Christmas. You know as a kid you want to get as many presents as possible, and I still remember the the excitement I would get every year. That same year my parents worked a lot of late nights, so they would always leave me with my older sister, who was 16 at the time. I never really got along with her until now, as we're now adults that don't live with each other. My sister was especially mean that year, inviting her boyfriend over some nights. I would threaten to tell mom if she brought him over again, and my kid mind would make other ridiculous threats, such as the fact that I would tell Santa so he would put coal in her stocking because she wasn't following the rules. One day, she had had enough of my bickering and retaliated. She started out with, you know what's even worse than getting coal in your stocking? Of course, me being a curious little boy, I pressed for information, what's worse? I would ask with a tough little attitude. She said it, Krampus. Mm. I remember the nerve it struck when she said that name. Of course, I didn't know who or what Krampus was, but it just sounded bad. What's Krampus, I probed. I can still see her evil grin ingrained in my memory when she told me. You know Santa isn't real, right? I always had a sneaking suspicion, but of course I asked, what do you mean? Don't pretend you don't know. Mom and dad buy all of your gifts, and that guy you go see at the mall who you call Santa is just a man with a beard doing a job. I wasn't really surprised. This just confirmed my skepticism of Santa. But do you know what is real, she continued. Krampus, the evil spirit that comes and takes little boys like you to the underworld. My impressionable mind believed every word she said, and I was terrified. He comes and takes little boys that tattle, All you need to do is tattle three times during the Christmas season, and Krampus, the Christmas demon, comes to get you. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Mm. (laughs) And also, uh, this big sister is pretty intense. She's intense, man. This is like an 80s big sister. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, 
not only did she hey, just— Hey, Kevin, you're such a disease. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She just terrifies him by, by telling him about Krampus, but also in one fell swoop also tells him that Santa isn't real. Which, is, which is what a lie, you know? Yes, yeah, absolute I lie mean, because he is. Yeah. Her twisted little mind even brought up two other times I snitched on her for something stupid within the past week. This alone freaked me out, because a week later, I tattled on her for eating my Pop-Tart off my plate. (laughs) After I tattled, I thought about what she had told me the week before. The true legend states that Krampus comes to punish children who misbehave. So my sister had twisted the story in her favor. Anyway, here's where things got, got weird. This was the same year I realized I was attracted to women. I was <laughs> a little random. I was in my parents' room one night when they were gone. I was looking for batteries for my RC car and went snooping through d- drawers. Lo and behold, I found my dad's Playboy stash. Should we add on this? I mean, I, boy. I, hold on, let me see where it goes. I looked through the thing for a good half hour before putting it back. This was a busy Christmas season. At that point, nothing had happened with Krampus, so I chalked up that story to my sister trying to scare me. But I think looking at that magazine was a big mistake. And to this day, the reason why I got a quote-unquote visit, it was on the same night. If I'm not mistaken, Christmas was just days away. I woke up in the middle of the night extremely thirsty. The house was pitch black except for an overhanging microwave light in the kitchen. I got my water, then headed back upstairs towards my room. It was at that moment when I heard a noise on the roof. I remember thinking if I was second-guessing myself about Santa being real or not. I whispered to myself, Santa? I walked towards the window and saw what I thought was a deer outside the window. I thought maybe the noise came from the deck and not the roof. Maybe the deer had walked on the deck and jumped into the yard. But I took a closer look and realized I may not be looking at a deer. It turned around, revealing its really large body and glowing red eyes. The antlers were not antlers, but horns. I remember thinking that it looked like Beast from Beauty and the Beast. I was frozen in fear as I saw the creature start walking towards me. We locked gazes. Then he smiled. His teeth looked rotten and razor sharp. Then he jumped straight up out of sight, like he jumped straight into the sky and into thin air. That's pretty terrifying. Mm. I immediately ran into my sister's room. I shook her awake in a state of fear, explaining that I'd saw Krampus. It was then, through her groggy tiredness, that she admitted that she had made it all up. She got up and walked me back to my room. She flipped the light on and gave me a shocked look. I looked back at her. What? What the hell is this? She leaned towards my bed and picked up a magazine. It was the Playboy. I was shocked. I did not know what to say. I mean, I was absolutely baffled, and all I managed to spew out was, that's dad's. Of course it's dad's, you freak, she replied. I tried to convince her that I didn't know how it got there, but she didn't believe a word I said. Just then, she stopped me. If I catch you with this again, I'm going straight to mom and dad. I just looked down and agreed. Okay. Luckily, my sister was cool. To this day, I've never figured out how that magazine got there or what the creature was that I had seen outside. All I can say is that it's very possible that I saw the real Krampus that night. 
and I was being warned for misbehaving. My sister and I have never spoken again about that night. I'm honestly too afraid to bring it up. Hopefully, I will never have another encounter with this Krampus. Hmm. I mean, that's pretty freaky, man. It goes back to the thing where I'm like, I don't need anybody looking in my window, man. And especially if it was some weird horned creature. I mean, one time I heard some noises outside of my window and it was a raccoon just scratching the screen. Oh, well, we, I had a moment. So we lived like out in the, uh, as you know, we lived out in the woods in this, our first year of marriage, my wife and I, we lived in this like little single wide trailer down in the woods. It was my uncle's. And I mean, when I say like in the woods, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, the backyard is woods. No, we were like literally in the woods, like dirt road, you know, gravel driveway, like pretty rough. And there was one night where, uh, I had walked outside on the porch. I think I was letting the, our dog rain. She was probably a puppy at this time. Uh, used the bathroom. It was winter. And, you know, she had ran off. And then, you know, I'm just kind of hanging out. And I hear this, like, running, like, and, uh, you know, there were the leaves were out, I guess. It was probably around, I don't know if it's like, fall or maybe around Christmas. But rain, the dog comes and she's like full sprint, just running, jumps up on the porch, you know, immediately I'm like, what's happening? Cause it's just like, suddenly it goes from like being quiet to just like this crazy sort of commotion. And as she's like coming up on the porch, I hear this other running in her direction. And it's this full, you know, like big full rack, Mm -hmm. like buck deer uh, chasing her at like full, full speed. And so her and I both were like as fast as we could. We, you know, sling open the door, lock the door. But like this, this deer was like up on our, like it, it climbed the stairs and got up on the porch, like looking in, in the, uh, like the window of the door, which is pretty Absolutely. terrifying. Maybe it was a not deer. Yeah, it could have been a not deer. But it did remind me of this, you know, because this is one of those things. And I think the interesting part about Krampus is the idea of like the half goat. You know, you think of, like, the god mm-hmm. Pan, sort of trickster archetype. Like, it's all yeah. the same thing. And I will, this I, isn't a spoiler, but I will say that the movie Rare Exports kind of makes it a more human, like, in other words, there isn't the, you'll see, but it's not the horned goat like the half goat. creature mm-hmm. um, with possible okay. ties to Pan or the Nephilim. Anyway. On to the next mm. one. I grew up in Maine in a small coastal town that always smelled of fish no matter how far from the harbor you were. But being raised there, you don't really notice the smell. Not unless you go on vacation for a weekend and come back. Then it's like a fist to the face. Anyway... Let me just jump right in. My family has always had this weird fascination with the Krampus legend, an old piece of European folklore about a mythical beast that's the opposite of Santa Claus. He carries switches or sticks around to beat children with, children who have been naughty and don't deserve gifts that St. Nick brings with him. This was my Santa Claus. Basically, instead of offering me a reward for my good behavior, My parents instead reinforced me with, if you're bad, Krampus will get you. If you're bad, Krampus will beat you and give you coal. Mm. To be pretty honest with you, I believed what they said, 
for half my life, but I'm 23 now and I know better. Well, I thought I knew better. You see, I moved away to the state of Washington with my aunt until I could afford my own place. This was after a very dramatic feud with my parents over some disagreements concerning my college major. Well, to heck with me for wanting to pursue my passions. Oh, he's emo. I guess and he probably would trip on his own feet when he's playing soccer too. Okay, back to okay. it. Let's see, hold on. I guess not... Uh, okay, good God, this is him just complaining. Uh, it was back in 2010 when I was around 16, and then in 2016, just last year, they invited me back for Christmas, offering apologies and, and offering a good time with zero drama. Here's the thing, I, I missed my family, but I was still angry at them, so I decided to fly to Maine for Christmas weekend, but I was not going to apologize for anything that I had said. On December 23rd, I arrived. I gave my parents some awkward hugs and expected the worst, but they were different. My parents didn't nag me or try to start drama. They actually cried when I showed up, and they hugged me tighter than ever. It was nice, but it wasn't enough for me. <laughs> it's this guy. Oh, boy. But it wasn't enough for me. I held on to that grudge like a lifeline. The next night, Christmas Eve, arrived soon enough, and my parents and uncle and I were hanging out in the living room sharing stories about everything I'd missed while... I was gone. And then, of course, came the talk of Krampus. They said, Well, I, I hope you've been good while you were away. My mom teased me. My father joined in with, Mmm, I've noticed some tree branches missing around here lately. Probably just Krampus preparing for quite a busy Christmas around here. My uncle laughed at this, wow. but I rolled my eyes. Yeah, it was pretty funny, but it was just their way of joking about, about the past, and it helped make everything kind of more lighthearted is what I thought. I welcomed it, but that night, I couldn't sleep. My mind kept racing. I felt guilty about my parents. Maybe back then when we argued and they just wanted a better future for me. Maybe that's why they were so upset with the future that I had in mind for myself. At around 1.30 in the morning, as I lay there staring at the ceiling, I began to hear something from just outside my room door. It was breathing. But like some sort of oddly tall old hobo was standing outside my room, wondering if he should knock or just walk inside. A very strange breathing. I got up, figuring, ah, maybe it's just my dad playing a prank on me. I walked right over to the guest room door and swung it open, and the hallway was empty. But I could still hear the breathing. Apparently, it hadn't been coming from just behind my door. The breathing was instead coming from the living room door. It was so loud that the breathing itself echoed through the hallway. I suddenly felt insanely cold. That's when I figured someone maybe left the front door open. Maybe the snowy wind was getting inside and maybe that's what I was hearing. So I walked down the hallway, which opened up towards the living room. 
And for the first time in over a decade, I felt hesitant and honestly a little creeped out. I couldn't figure out why. Surely no one had broken in. When I reached the living room, I saw that the door was actually still closed, still locked up. But the breathing was definitely there, but just outside the front door now. Now, this is the creepiest part. There's a telephone pole with a light on it, just 20 yards away from the front door of the house. It overlooks our driveway, and it often casts a clear shadow of guests that walk up to the door on the dark, cold nights. I could clearly see the shadows of thin legs being cast underneath the front door. It was at that moment that I was certain somebody really was outside. I swallowed hard, covered my mouth, afraid to let whoever was outside hear me. I should have told my parents then and there so that they could get some help, but my curiosity took over. And sure enough, I began walking toward the door to peek. Oh boy. I got closer to the peephole, closed my other eye, and slowly looked outside. I jumped back, nearly screaming when I saw those teeth. Yellow, rotting, sharp teeth. And then, a knock at the door. I was panicking then. I didn't know what to do. I'd never been in a situation like this before. Little did I know it was about to get much worse. Then I heard a voice. Riley. My God, somehow they knew my name. Open the door and receive your punishment. I'll never forget that voice, not for as long as I live. By some unseen will, I quickly stood up from where I had jumped to and jumped back over to the door, unlocked it, and threw it open. This entire time, my mind was screaming, what in the world are you doing? But the door was wide open now, and I could see everything. The light pole, the snow dropping lightly down in front of it, and a completely empty front porch. But there were footprints. No, not footprints. They were more like... Mm. Hoof prints, actually. Yeah. I ran and woke up my parents immediately, and I showed them the prints, but they began to laugh at me. You can't be serious, Riley. My father put his hand on my shoulder. You're too old to believe in Krampus. It just looks like a goat or deer, my mom said, as she leaned down to observe the odd tracks. Yep, definitely a deer or goat with hooves twice the thickness of my own hand. Sounds about right, Mom, I thought. They went back to bed and told me to lock up the door, and then I did as they told me. But I stayed in the living room trying to watch TV to make my mind move off of this. Yet I kept glancing to the door, waiting to hear the sound of that breathing again. Yes, I apologized to my parents on Christmas morning, even if it was mostly due to my creepy experience. And I still went back to Washington after Christmas and back to a place I'd never seen Krampus before. But let's just say I don't hold any grudges any longer. And I don't answer the door at 1.30 in the morning to a heavily breathing stranger. Man. That's Man. a good one, dude. You know, the I, I do think that it's interesting that both of our 
sort of true accounts, you know, if, if we're taking these folks at, at their word, both of them talked about rotting looking teeth. Mm. I think that's, that's an interesting little, uh, little connection. And kids, there. if you're listening, I think it's also a great reason, just as an aside, to make sure that you go to the dentist on a regular basis so that you don't have rotting teeth because turns out throughout history, people have been scared mm-hmm. of them. All right, Tyler, give us this next one. My family had just immigrated to this country. We had left all of our earthly possessions behind, but the memories and stories of our homeland followed us on our journey. Once we arrived, we immediately settled into the same ghetto that many others from our Eastern European village had, a decrepit row of four-storied slums along an alleyway that was more sewer than street. Our father, during the few hours that he was home from the mill, said that we were better off here, but my sister and I missed the deep forest and high mountains that we had played in only a short time ago. Even when I tried to imagine myself back at home, my real home, the noise of the city always broke through my thoughts and brought me back to that alleyway. My mother tried her best to remind us of our old life. Often, as my sister and I were crawling into the bed that we shared, she would tell us stories. The same stories she had said that her mother had told her. Some of the stories were exciting, others made us laugh, but a few terrified us. The most awful story told of an evil one who until the deepest part of winter to kidnap naughty children. We shuddered as she told us of how it would torment children just like us, and sometimes we would even pretend to fall asleep in the desperate hope that she would just stop. But she always finished the story. Our father would often tell her not to fill our heads with such horrible things, that some tales from our homeland should remain there. Mother, though, would shake her head and quietly insist that it was dangerous to forget where we came from. Our lives continued like this for the next several months. I had believed that I would eventually come to see our forgotten alleyway as home, but its sense of foreignness persisted. In fact, it felt as though Hardly anything had changed since we had arrived. Our lives had neither improved nor gotten worse, and I still felt like an unwanted stranger in my own neighborhood. The only thing that had changed was our behavior. My sister and I had recently begun getting into trouble more often. We never meant to hurt anyone. It was just that we had so little, and sometimes we had to steal if we wanted to eat that day. Usually our misdeeds were my sister's ideas, and I followed along. I guess one always looks up to their older sibling. I never believed that our petty crimes would ever have serious consequences. But looking back now, I can see that we were walking blindly down a very dark path. I can even remember when things took an ominous turn. Ever since All Saints Day, our mother had been warning us to be good little girls. She pleaded with us to stop our bad behavior. I remember her crying a lot. Early in December, my sister got caught stealing a piece of fruit and I thought my mother's heart would just break. She began to shake and pulled her rosary beads from her pocket. From the rest, for the rest of the night, she clutched the beads tightly and desperately repeated her prayers. When I finally asked her what was wrong, she paused just long enough to glance at the window and hissed, he knows, he knows, it might be too late. I didn't know what she meant, but I was scared. My sister didn't seem to care. The days passed and the temperature dropped. It was the night before Christmas and snow had begun to fall. The heating had already gone out several times, and the flickering lights threatened to go out as well, as we would be attending the sunrise mass the next morning. My father told my sister and I to go bathe. 
Suddenly, my mother began shrieking for us not to be alone. I heard my father quickly move towards her and began trying to comfort her with his deep, soft voice. She quieted down some, but still insisted that we were not alone. My father told us to take our baths quickly and then join them. As we headed down the hallway towards the washroom, my sister sprinted ahead of me and stood in the doorway. I'll go first, she said. I won't be long, she laughed. I stomped my foot but said nothing as the door slammed. On the best of days, there were barely enough warm water for anyone in our family to bathe. With the heat going out, there was likely only enough warm water for a single bath. My sister knew this. I bounced from one foot to the other as I stood outside the door, trying to keep warm. I heard her draw the water and then began singing softly to herself as she dipped into the water. After a few minutes, the singing had stopped and I began to fear that she had fallen asleep in the tub. Then I heard a noise, a sharp clacking noise like someone was wearing wooden shoes. It was slow but deliberate, almost like it was sneaking up on something. I knocked on the door and the clacking stopped, no answer. I assumed my sister was ignoring me or possibly trying to irritate me as she often did. Then the noise began again, this time even slower. I pressed my ear to the door and held my breath. The clicking noise had stopped, but I could now hear a light tinkling sound, like the chime of a hundred bells playing in the distance. I listened until I could hear my own heartbeat. Then I heard a soft splash. She had fallen asleep. She was playing a game, waiting to see how long I would stand out in the cold hallway while she turned her fingers and toes into warm prunes. I knocked again louder this time, still no answer. I was quite frustrated and cold by this time, and so, without another knock, I swung open the door and stepped inside. As I did, the power in our building went out. The hallway behind me plunged into total darkness, and I heard my mother give cry of fright. I blinked my eyes a few times. The small heater in the corner of the washroom cast an eerie orange glow across the room. Feeling my way until my eyes adjusted, I stepped around the corner at the end of the tub and began to scold my sister for taking too long. Then I saw it. It was standing beside the tub. Though it was hunched over, it must have stood nearly seven feet tall with its horns adding another foot or so coarse black fur like the pelt of a goat covered its body. It had powerful legs that ended in hooves. The source of the clicking noise. A thick tail whipped through the air behind it like a cobra circling its prey. Heavy chains wrapped around its muscular shoulders and torso. As I inhaled and exhaled, the chains produced their bell-like chimes. Yellowed eyes that burned with a smoldering rage stared down from above its twisted nose. A wheezing, bubbling sort of breath passed between its fangs and incisors that extended so far from its mottled gums that I don't believe it could have possibly closed its mouth completely. A long, pointed tongue hung down past its scarred and disfigured chin like some grotesque dog and thick globules of spittle collected at the corners of its mouth. One of these globules broke free and fell into the tub. I looked down and saw its hands, long and hairless, each finger ended in a sharp nail and was wrapped in the same kind of corpulent skin as a vulture's bald head, the result of too much exposure to rotting flesh. Then I noticed the thin wisp of hair floating up between its fingers, my sister's hair. 
beast was holding her head under the water. I screamed. Only at this point did it look at me. It was not alarmed at all, but rather seemed almost whimsically bemused, as if I was asking it a riddle that it had already knew the answer to. Looking directly at me, it stood up to its full height, its horns now brushing the ceiling. As it stood, it lifted my sister out of the water. My screams caught in my throat, and I began to choke. It held her with a single hand, each of its five sharp nails having pierced completely through her body. Strangely, the only coherent thought that passed through my mind at that moment was the hope that my sister had already drowned and could not feel any more pain. The beast took a step towards me and gave a dry, shrill laugh that sounded like an animal being strangled. It held my sister out as if it was cruelly offering her body to me. Then we both heard the footsteps in the hallway. My parents were running to see what was the matter. The beast quickly wrapped its heavy chains around my sister's lifeless body and cinched her to its back. Then, with surprising agility, it threw open the window and leapt into the narrow ledge. It balanced there for a moment and then turned to look at me one last time. Our eyes met, and in that moment, it burned the full horror of itself into my very soul. Then it leapt from the ledge and disappeared. My parents were already in the washroom before I realized that the beast was gone. They held me tight and began asking what was the matter. I could not speak, but only pointed towards the tub and then the window. My mother was the first to notice my sister's clothes laying beside the tub and instantly ran to the open window. I heard her scream curses in our old language at the darkness. Then she collapsed and my father ran to her, begging for someone to tell him what was going on. My mother was near fainting and could only point to the hoof-like prints in the snow upon the ledge and speak only a single word, Krampus. Four days later, my sister's body was found by a sewer grate. There was no investigation, no arrest made. To this society, she was just another dead immigrant child, no different in the eyes than a drowned sewer rat. Not that it mattered much, no manhunt would ever turn up that creature which was not a man. I am old now. Over the years, I've seen all of my friends from the hellish ghetto die. Some of them in horrible accidents. Yet I've always found some measure of peace with every one of their deaths. I do realize that death is inevitable. But there is one fact that keeps me from finding peace with my sister's death. When the police officer came to visit my family, he said that my sister had only been dead an hour before they had found her body. Mm. Man. Wow. I mean, definitely probably made up. Yeah. I mean, Possibly. Yeah. But also just dark uh, as. Boy, dark. I, I wasn't. Um, first one was Playboy. Yeah. And then. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, poorly written, but also yeah. well written as far as the imagery involved. Um. I do think that it's interesting that that little last tidbit, like what do you think that could mean? Like it said her body was found four days later and then, you know, when the police officer came to visit the family, he said that she had only been dead for about an hour, mm. like when they had found yeah, her no, body. Is there some sort of like time? I don't know. Some sort of magic mm. involved maybe? Man, that's weird. I don't know. I didn't expect that one Pretty to spooky to go down that I mean, it's like a <laughs> feck. <laughs> that one, that one got dark. Yeah. Um, 
this last one is short, and we'll save some of the others that we've got sort of piled up uh, for our patrons over on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. And you can find that at patreon.com slash that would be rad. Anyway, this one's shorter. And uh, I don't know, this kind of reminds me of the movie that I just watched. I really like this one. Mm. This was a quick yet scary experience I had one December when I was a child. It was maybe 30 years ago at my old brick home in West Virginia. We were very broke back then. My family couldn't afford much. Not much more than rent and food, the necessities, really, each month. You think that I'd be unhappy growing up in that kind of situation. I mean, I was grateful at the very least, but that particular Christmas, I wasn't having it. I was going through a sort of phase at the time. I would have a number of temper tantrums that were leading up to Christmas. It was almost a nightly thing, actually, screaming and shouting and wanting what my parents couldn't afford. Now, as an adult, I realize that my parents must have hated it, and I really feel bad about my behavior now. But back then, I just didn't stop. About two weeks into December, there was one night where my brother was fed up with me. He tricked me into playing hide-and-seek in the forest near our home. I was bored at the time and angry, so I was easily convinced to join him to take my mind off of things. We were outside and I was chosen to be it first, of course, but as I counted, he just went back inside and locked the door. Also, very 80s move. Yeah. I probably deserve that, honestly. But when I was finished counting, I began to seek, completely oblivious to his trickery. I looked behind trees, I looked over hills and bushes, but nothing. It didn't take long for me to realize that I had been duped. So I began walking back to my house. I was crying and ready to throw another fit. But that mood soon changed when I heard the sound of snow crunching underfoot. And it wasn't my footsteps. Immediately, I turned around and saw that a figure appeared. It appeared to be some man cloaked in a near pitch black hood. But what was enough to get me absolutely paralyzed with fear were the horns coming from his head. I could see his breathing forming almost clouds in front of the hood. And in that moment, I knew I needed to run. I made it back to the front door in what felt like seconds flat. My heart was pounding, and I was pounding on the door, screaming in tears for my parents. I heard the breathing getting closer and closer behind me. That huffing, deep breathing. Suddenly, the door opened and I fell flat on my face. I stumbled to get back up. I latched the door and locked it behind me. I was sobbing in someone's shirt. What's wrong, dear? It was my father. I turned and looked, and my father opened the door, and all I could see were still and silent woods. To this day, I don't know what it was or what I saw or if it was even real, 
If I had to make up a wild guess, it was probably Krampus giving me a warning to straighten up where he'd give me a reason to cry. Mm. Man. That a, that's a good one, man. Yeah, when that is I, a good one. Okay, I, yeah. I, it's a little more pleasant, too. Is the, yeah. It's a, it's a lighter one to end on. I, I mean, some of the things that I love about these stories, and you'll see what I mean whenever you watch uh, this movie, mm-hmm. Rare, rare uh, Exports, there's this imagery that is going to forever be sort of seared into my brain and that is this like snow covered fill in the blank, a windowsill, a, a door, you know, just mm. outside the door, you know, the the patio, whatever. And these like footprints or hoof prints showing that something had been there. It, it, it does take me back. I think I told this story on uh, one of the Halloween episodes over the years that we've done where in the middle of the night, one winter, our alarm went off. I didn't know what it was. We called the cops. We were like searching around. And the first thing the cop said to me was, did you see any footprints in the snow? And for whatever reason, man, that freaked me out. And so, I mean, luckily I, I didn't, but if I had, man alive, that would have been freaky, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, it's kind of like, and I, th- I feel like we talked about this I mean, maybe like first season. I cannot remember like the episode, but do you remember there was like a, it was somewhere in like England, I think, maybe 1800s. There, there's like that story where like, you know, like heavy snow mm-hmm. and I guess everybody was sort of like the, the I guess there was a night where a, a ton of people were hearing like what sounded like hoof prints. Mm you know, on their roof or whatever throughout this like town or whatever it was. And they woke up and it's, it's kind of like a famous thing. I'm sure you can just, you know, type in like hoof prints or whatever. But there was... Um, oh, man, hold on. Stand, stand, uh, stand waiting real quick, listeners. I am typing into Google. Okay. Hoof prints. No, no, no. Or no, no, type. that's what you said to do. <laughs> And oh. and boy, here we go. No, no, no. The just first do thing this. that comes up is footprints. Unique gifts and products for horse lovers. Here we go. Come on, pal. You got to be. I'm sure well, you can go to Google and just type in hoof prints. Well, no. What I meant to say was the Thank devil's. God for you, man. The devil's hoof prints or the devil's Welcome hoof prints. Welcome back, pal. Shut up. Uh, but anyway, it's this like sort of uh, known story where throughout this whole town, you see these these like cloven hoof prints walking mm-hmm. on the ground, and then you see them walk up the side of buildings. You see them, you know, wherever there's, like, snow. You see them mm-hmm. on roof roofs. And it sort of made its way all, you know, across the entire town, like, on top of buildings, on the ground. And so that, I don't know, it just took me back to uh, to that story. I feel like we've talked about it, but... But if for some reason you're not. unfamiliar with that story, listener, all you I have to do you. is go to Google... Uh, or Yahoo, or ask Jeeves there and type go. in hoofprints, and you'll be able to find it immediately. Okay, I just found it. <laughs> on... But you didn't just type in hoofprints, is my point. Now, listen. I typed in the devil's footprints. Okay, the fun, you know, the thing about Christmas in general, like we kind of said during the show, is for the most part, man, I, I really welcome and invite the the joy it's part, you know, it's one of my favorite seasons. We, I love, 
you know, the house being decorated, mm. the the, mm-hmm. the smells of all the good food my wife's cooking up and the family and friends that come over and all this kind of stuff. But it's interesting. And I'm so glad that we did finally kind of dedicate an episode to yeah. this freaky creature that, I mean, to be honest with you, kind of has an equal right to the quote unquote show as mm-hmm. jolly old Saint Nick himself. I mean, he's part of the equation here. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he is the representative of that, you know, darker side of mm-hmm. the duality in Christmas. And I mean, honestly, like I said before, if you get taken by Krampus mm. and the worst that happens is that you live in the underworld for a year, well, you're going to learn that lesson. Kids, I mean, I if just, you're listening. <laughs> I just pictured the kids. called Krampus. Kids coming back and the parents, you know, finding them on the floor next to the tree the following year. And they have like full beards. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they look like they've just been in the mines mm-hmm. for forever. So got grime all over them, yeah. dirt. Just yeah. been working down there. But yeah, that's that's our, uh, this has been our, you know, deeper dive into the mythology of Krampus and... Uh, I think it's been great. Mm-hmm. So be careful uh, this evening as we get into Kropperschnatt because mm. right now as you're listening to this, it is the eve of December 5th. So mm. just uh, make sure that you're all behaving out there. Yeah, so if you hear what sounds like that that faint sound of hoof prints on your roof. We're breathing. Yeah, that dry animal Almost like a like a goat or lamb, like bleeding, like bleating. Does that sound mm-hmm. right? I mean, I know it's right, but it just sounds like I'm saying. It sounds that. a little weird, but also I don't know if that's what it sounds like. It sounds to Ble- me. I imagine the breath being more like, like a, you know, like oh, a, that was like good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really good. Well, if you would like to contact us and tell us your personal story of maybe you encountered the Krampus. We would love to hear about it. Uh, you can do that over on Instagram. Jump in the comments. Shoot us a DM. If it's more of a story, more long form, head on over to that would be radpod at gmail.com or even better, do it in your own voice. Tell us your own story and maybe it'll, it'll make its way on the show. You can do that over on that would be radpodcast.com. Yeah, there you can link up to whatever podcatcher you would like to listen to the show. You can leave a five-star review on whatever said podcatcher that is. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you love about the show. Tell a single friend about the show. And all that to be said, I would like to extend our season's greetings from That Would Be Rad. And uh, and just say that we hope you're, you guys are having a nice and nostalgic, you know, Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Got anything else, Woody? Uh, I think that's about it, man. Cool, pal. Well, we love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way it
in a time where I just needed some sunshine You were already dead before you became a ghost You always said our future would be a parade of flowers But now all that's left is a single rose That's the way Ho, 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 and... Oh, yep. God dang it. He's out of, he's out of practice. He's so rusty. I'm so out of practice here. Well, get that uh, Santa hat out of your mouth and just Santa start over. Hobble. Ho, 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 and season's greetings. Welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad. The podcast that majors in 80s, 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop, the RPG. Let me just take it again. Uh, so this occurred in the No Sleep Reddit uh, five years ago. Five years ago. Uh, this occurred in the no sleep section of uh, Reddit uh, about five years ago, uh, and it's entitled and it's and it's titled Fifteen Us in Five Words." This one goes. This was a quick, yet scary experience Maybe I had. Again, okay. Um, so here's this one. Still recording. Please don't be loud. Sorry. Shh. 